Alright gang, welcome back to the greatest Tuesday you've had all week and the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with... Matt Dixon, but Maddie's not here, so... Yep, no Madison this this time around, but don't worry, we'll get her back at some point. Mm, but you know, okay. we're going into basketball season, it might be a stretch. Okay. Yeah, we'll that was, see. That was fun having her on the show last week. I agree, and if you missed it, remember podcasts are available. You can check out last week's shows as well as a whole litany in the archives. Go to our website at littlejohnfs.com. Check out the educate section. Uh, anyway, we got lots to cover today, I suppose. It's an election day. It's a Tuesday because elections come on Tuesdays, you know. Why? Mm -hmm. It just make a Monday that much harder. Right. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I feel bad for everyone counting ballots, though. Can you imagine how much, how many hours they're putting in right now? Well, you know, it's. I mean, the machines do the counting anymore. That's why they're right. all bubble sheets and that kind of stuff. But, but just like opening all of those and, and putting I, them through. Yeah, uh, this is where I could quickly get in trouble because I don't know all the idiosyncrasies of the process, uh, but I do know that it's going to take some time. And and here's the good news: if you're expecting answers today. Good luck, especially here in Oregon, right? So just didn't they change, settle in. Didn't they change the way that the counting takes place? So I don't or know about not the counting necessarily, but like the deadline in which you can mail your ballot in or something. So here's what I noticed, right? It used to be that there was a a drop dead date where if you wanted to mail your ballot in, it mm -hmm. had to be mailed right by a certain time. I remember that. Now it was it had to be postmarked by today. So there's this delay where anybody that mails a ballot today, mm -hmm. they're not going to get that counted for several more days, probably. So this thing can just stretch on exactly until so unless all you have the people conceding in. elections, mm -hmm. then that can be considered like, all right, well we're done counting because the other team just said, all right, we're good, just right. go with this. But it could be drawn out for a while, and of course, depending on your political persuasion, uh, you, <laughs> I'm going to liken this to. Depending on whether or not you're a hometown official, right, right, the equivalent of you know, does your team, uh, do you think the election has or does not have integrity? It seems to be really drawn along partisan lines largely, and we'll just leave it at that because it's not like there's a win on this thing. Um, the your team, my team thing is a pain in the rear. I do have one thing on really good authority though, right? Okay, uh, and that is that. Absent the total annihilation of Earth, life will go on. Yep, you heard that right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it'll be glorious or glamorous, but we'll march forward. So there's hope. I think there's always hope. There's a and fraction here's the thing. of hope. You got to remember that half, you know, a portion of the people that get their candidate in largely are saying we like that direction. Mm hmm. Right. So now the people that didn't like that direction, they're not happy, but there's still some people that should be happy. Now, now I say should because this is this one's a head scratcher for me. If you're not happy and you keep voting to the, for the same people to do the same stuff, then I go, well, you might not be happy, but you also might not be that bright. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like what, what if you keep doing the same thing again and again expecting, and expecting a different, a different result, result. Right? yeah that's the definition of insanity mm -hmm. so it's possible that we have insane people or um, as i would like to say we have a lot of checkers players right yeah and right right what do i mean by that checkers versus chess right 
Checkers, I think one or two moves out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not thinking the whole game. Chess players, they're thinking strategy and multiple steps, and it's much more complicated. You know, and, and I would say the part of the death of our democracy and the dumbing down of our uh, voter base, if you will, right? Is the, the electorate to only right? see like ro- like what's right in front of them. Well, I would say it's they only look at one or two things, right? The mm-hmm. single issue voter is sort of the the problem. And we see that in a lot of the campaigns that are run on TV, right? They just talk about the same point over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's largely been the issues, right? If you are uh, a conservative or a Republican type, what are the issues right now? Right. You know, and it's primarily going to be uh, crime. Yep. And it's going to be the economy. Right. It's co- economy first, right? Economy's number one. Like, take a look around at the cost of everything around you. And then it's like, and blame the other guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's the strategy, and the strategy on the other side on on the, I think on inflation's the, a big piece of it too. Well, and there's not much you can do about inflation if you're the party in power. You're like, well, let's not. We don't talk about Bruno, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're yeah. going to talk about anything else. So it's social issues, right? And that's been mostly it. It's uh, and and like I said, there's no win on the station for me to start li- listing them. It's just going to make somebody mad. So mm. I'm I'm not even going to stand in the middle of traffic and get hit. I'm just going to avoid it, right? Because frankly, there's no winning that argument. There's there's no winning that, and depending on again how you approach it, it's like are you even allowed to speak about certain things? Mm-hmm. Like if you're not in the marginalized group, can you say something? Like mm. uh, <laughs> you should be able to. It's free speech in America, right? But that's got its own sliding scale these days. It's true. So whether or not it should. You can be the judge. But let's talk about how this is going to, what this means for our investors and our money. First of all, Matt, what does this mean for our money over the, the next 10 years? Well, with that long of a time horizon, I'm going to guess it's just a little blip in the, the scheme of things, right? Like over a long period of time, does this election really matter over the next 10 years? And, I mean, and my answer is somewhat. But it, it, uh, is, it, like, is it the driving force behind the market? I'm going to guess no. No. I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that the forces underneath it may matter. But here's the single big – I've said this on a program before, so I'm not changing my mind when I say this. What, to me, would signal the end of investing as well, we know it? Well, let me put it this way. Take a company like Microsoft, right? Sure. No matter what way this election turns or the presidential election in two years – no matter what way we vote, is Microsoft still going to be making money? Yeah, and that's the question to ask. And here's the disclosure, just so everybody's aware: we do have positions in Microsoft. Sure. Okay. And so, like, if we're bringing that one up, we we have we for some of our clients, we own that position in our portfolios. We are maintaining that position. Okay. That's not a recommendation. It's just an acknowledgement of where our conflicts might be. But I, I think, agree with you, Matt. Yeah. Like Microsoft, I don't think it's going anywhere. It's the op- it's the operating system of all PCs, mm-hmm. pretty much. I mean, and somebody like, out there is going, no, we got Unix and Linux and blah. Oh, uh, yeah, and yeah. I'm going, yeah, so all of the business and government computer systems run right. on Microsoft. Yeah, but no matter who we vote for, I'm going to wager and go out on a limb here and say that computers are still going to exist and they're right. still going to be probably running Microsoft yeah, behind so the scenes. Right? I think you either have to have the end of human existence mm-hmm. – Okay, because the natural progression of human existence is to migrate toward a currency exchange system. And that's just a bet I'm not willing to place, right? Like on uh, yep. the end of everything. There's that so and then the other is here's where it could get dicey. 
but I I just don't see this happening quickly, mm-hmm. and that is a, a legitimate end of capitalism. Okay, now I That's think that the more probable it's the more probable, but even that takes a lot because I believe the folks that are calling for non-capitalist systems generally do so out of naivety, mm-hmm. thinking that what they're asking for is non-capitalist when there's a whole bunch of capitalist components that they want. Right, you yeah. Know, things like I'd like to be able to choose my food, right, or my clothes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you're going to need to have some capitalism in there, mm-hmm. uh, or that is going to disappear. Yeah. Right. Now, at what pace? I don't. I don't know. But the choices greatly diminish when you're not offered choice. Yes. <laughs> you know, when natural competition doesn't go solve for choice, so uh, there's no competition when you uh, have the government own the means of production. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's not turn this show into the you know beat on communism show. Although it's a money show, I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. I'm think not a that's communist, and I'll be- just come out and make that position of like, no, not a communist, and I'm not a socialist. It's not in our financial best interest. Yeah, there's such a simple it's, reason. Yeah, it's because I believe that if you go out and do work, that what you traded that time for that you get to make the decision on that, mm-hmm. right? So like you choose the job that you want to pursue or the business you want to build or whatever that is, and then you are awarded the spoils, right? Yeah. It's also why I have a moral objection to taxes that exceed 50%. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's funny, but I think that you should always be entitled to keep more than 50% of your production mm-hmm. because it's symbolic, right? Symbolic that if you have to give up more than half – I don't see that as a progressive tax code anymore. I see that as forced redistribution. Mm-hmm. And I go, and, and that's my threshold. Whenever I ask somebody the question of like, what what's the fair share to somebody? And they go, well, you know, the rich should pay their fair share. Well, what's that number? Blank stares, right? Yeah, give okay. it to me as a percentage. Give it to me as a percentage of income. What it, should it be? And my take is maximum of 49% in aggregate across all mm-hmm. that you should get to control more than half, because again, I my take is once you have to give up more than half, somebody else is calling the shots on your labor. Right, right. You're no longer the majority shareholder of, of your, your labor. own. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. so I have a problem with that. If you're not the majority shareholder of your labor, then I go. So if you're a minority owner, then you get bullied around by somebody else. Does this count for the Powerball winners as well? So yeah, <laughs> it actually does to me. Okay. It okay. does to me. Now, you could say that that's found money and lottery and everything else, and that's exactly how it gets rationalized. But I still continue to say that— and, It and, just and should be like a universal solid rule. The universal is that you should have the majority control over the product of— the, Your work, over, over your Over what you trade your time for, not the product right. of your labor, right? Because if you trade your time—I go to a job with an employer mm-hmm. and say, all right, we've agreed to pay you 20 bucks an hour or whatever it is, and, you know— you at the end that's you go a, well my twenty bucks an hour but I, I made you a thousand dollars an hour and that's the product of my labor so I should control that thousand dollar an hour production and mm-hmm. I go no you actually made the deal at twenty dollars an hour with the employer right. who, that's a who good was point. bearing the risk there is a difference right There's so you made that agreement difference. you get paid the agreement you made you were still in control you could have said I'm not going to do the job yeah. okay but. There is a relationship between risk and capital that needs to be honored, but I think you choose your time, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have to work for that employer. Right. And as soon as somebody out there starts jumping up and down and saying, well, what if there's these other reasons you have to? I go, need to. 
is -hmm. different than have to. Again, we're getting semantic here, but that's not the point of today's show. The point is, I don't like taxes to ever be over 51% aggregate across all types. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that gets tricky because everybody wants to take a little piece. And at some point, it starts to add up to more than 50%. And I go, I know. That's why you have to like actively try to keep taxes low because you sneak it into gas and you sneak it into this and into that. Before you know it, you're paying a lot of taxes. Yeah. Right? So anyway, that is, I guess, one of the questions at play in play, mm-hmm. although not directly. I don't, I don't hear a lot of people running on specifically on taxes this time around. And that makes sense because it's a midterm election. Right. There's only so much policy. So what does the election mean to investors? I want to know, David. Tell me. Good. Let's talk about it after this break. Cue the music. Nailed it. All right. So we're going to come back. And again, as investors, we're going to talk about what situations could play out depending on the results and how should you as an investor be paying attention. That and more when we are right back. After this obscene profit break, stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM at 12:40 KQEN. Hey, gang! Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where it is Election Tuesday. It is, or as some as as conservatives in Oregon say, which I too count myself among. Notice I said conservative. I did not affiliate with a party here, but as a conservative. Uh, it's kind of like disappointment Tuesday, usually. <laughs> what if you end up being, you know, readily surprised here? There's a chance. I I will tell you, that I'm still. We got to hold judgment. out hope. It's not so much that. Uh, okay. It's I think what it is is that the idea of compromise in this state is itself compromised, right? There's hmm. been very little. It's probably been back since the early 2000s, where you had about a 50-50 split in the legislature, mm-hmm. where some pretty good stuff came out of that. But we've largely been an extremely one-sided governing it's body true. now for the better part of a decade. And you just look at that and go, I don't particularly appreciate the direction things are headed. Like I can't figure out for the life of me how you know, we've continued to have PERS reform, and yet it's constantly uh, – short money, mm-hmm. right? Like, how is it that we've had a net population increase over the last 10, 15 years where we went from like 3 million to 4 million in the state? So we have record intake of tax revenue and still we're broke. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sure sounds to me like we've got some gaps, like- We're just not responsible The way we're fiscally. handling finance. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not gonna say that I understand every detail of the government budget, but as a financial professional, I look at it and say, unlike the federal government, which I disagree with the fact that they do this, right? I don't like the fact that they print money. But the state government cannot print money. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so- it, Yet they spend it like they can. It, it pains me to see the decisions that are made and how the, the budgeting process of, you know, if you don't spend it, it doesn't get reapproved. So mm-hmm. we sort of promote reckless spending and so yep. forth. And I go, I don't know how you audit to stop that really effectively. Because the flip side is, you know, you want to incentivize financial frugalness, but you don't want to penalize it by saying, well, look, if you don't spend your budget, the next year we'll take it away. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that that's a double-edged sword. Too. Anyway, way off the beaten path of what this show is about. Let's talk a little bit about the election and what this could mean for you as an investor. Okay. Okay. So first, some scenarios. And I'm going to ask you what you think, Matt. All right, I'm ready. Okay, at a state level, mm-hmm. 
let's say that we have primarily the existing elect, elected folks, or in this case, uh, the party in power stays in power. So yeah. we remain largely democratic mm-hmm. uh, in the in the governor's mansion and then also controlling most of the state legislation. Okay. What do you think that means as investors? I don't think it wags the dog at all. I agree. At all, right? Like this, we have, we've kind of entrenched a little rut and we're in the rut. And even if we do see a change of power, are we really going to climb out of that right out of the gate? No, it's, I mean, generationally, we have put ourselves down a path and we're in that path. Yeah, we can make a change in office, but to just, you know, cover those ruts up and start fresh, that takes time. Yep. And so I don't really see how that makes much of a change at all. So what what do you think are some impacts that it could have if you were, say, looking down the road I over mean, the next 10 years? I mean, I think it could change some of the different um, economic policy that we take, right? Like, it could change industries, the way that we change maybe some tax code, Um you know, everyone wants to talk about logging, right? That's kind of at the forefront sure, of the Sure, that's the state. elephant in the room in yeah. Douglas County, certainly. Right. And so, I mean, we might be able to see some changes there, too. But, I mean, you've got to have everyone beating the same drum in order to make even those types of changes happen, right? Like, you have to have everyone working together. And, you know, there's environmental policies that come into place, not just all on one person's shoulders. Sure. And so... I mean, I think that you might see some tax code change. I mean, so okay. Now we're talking about if the uh, the blue, right? If yeah, that, that, yeah, The blue yeah. ticket. So, and and again, I'm saying that because this is. It's not fair to say like the Democrat ticket is a homogenous representation of like radicalism or something, which is what a lot of people are sort of conflating mm-hmm. these days. There's a real mixed bag of opinion. But let's say that Democrats as a party hold right. office in Oregon, right? Are you suggesting that there'll be tax changes under that party? No, I think things largely stay the same. Okay. I mean, if we if we change parties and the state swings red, there could be some changes. I mean, is it going to be sweeping changes? Probably not as much as people would suspect. Yeah, I suspect there's very little significant change. Mm-hmm. I don't say that out of pessimism either. No. I think that there's Just a lot of structural realistic. elements that yeah. are kind of we're sort of trapped by. Um, One of the things I think we might see the biggest change in is the way that we approach, I'm not going to say funding the police, but the attitude behind the police and how we address the homeless issue. Yeah. I think that might be one of the bigger spots that we see a change because right now, I mean, just look around. It's completely out of hand. Yeah. And I think that if we did see a change in power, there there actually might okay, be. But, a but remember, bit. I'm not asking if there's a change in power. I'm saying if there is not. Oh, if there's what not, what do you think plays out? Oh, I I don't see much change at all. Then yeah, that's my larger thesis as well. I think that probably not. Now let's talk about some of the major corporations in this state. We've got Nike mm-hmm. and Intel, both with huge presence here in Oregon. Uh, do you I th- see any impact there? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that right now we're, I mean, we're taxing these corporations at an extremely high rate, and it doesn't really promote new businesses to come into the area, right? Like Nike's been here forever, Intel's been here forever. So are they going to stick around? Probably. But if we did have a change in power and taxes 
were changed to be more favorable for big corporations, then I actually think we could see an influx of um, more large corporations. Yeah. You know what's hilarious to me? Just I got I to gotta admit to something for a moment, too. Yeah. When you use the term big corporation, I can tell there's been a sort of successful uh, campaign around just that terminology. Yeah, because what right? is a big corporation? And and it elicits a certain emotional response now. So the propaganda mm-hmm. has actually tuned my thinking. So when you say, well, you know, tax cuts for big corporations, and it immediately connects with that corporation's evil. You know, that's bad. No, they need to pay their taxes. But my sense is that, again, a lot of the, that's a propaganda thing, and it's funny that it would set off the alert bells for me mm-hmm. because I'm pretty pragmatic about, look, you incentivize a, a corporation to locate in your area because it brings lots of jobs. That's what I'm right? saying. And yeah. the jobs create prosperity for the area because that's an economic engine to turn. And so when folks mm-hmm. say corporations need to pay taxes, they're going, well, we want the money for government. I go, well, hold on. Yep. In Oregon, we tax the income right. of personnel, right? So if you're if you are an income in Oregon, you're paying an eight to nine percent tax on your income. And there's states that don't have an income tax, right? And it's, so it's like we're not incentivizing big businesses and, and, to be here. And then you think about you know Intel chose Ohio over Oregon to build their next their, factory. their next factory, right? And and you go why? And and some people say, well, you know, we didn't have the land that they wanted or the workforce like, or this and the other. And they go, I think that it has to do with a lot of other factors, including the tax backdrop. Mm-hmm. And Oregon just said, we're going to, we think if we can stick to our guns on this, that they're going to be here because they want to be with the rest of their organization. And I think Intel kind of said, no, we're distributed all over the globe. We mm-hmm. don't have to do that. Yep. And so they took the better tax package, is what it sounds like. There's probably more to it than that. But, but nevertheless, that Nike has sort of implied that. Uh, they will move headquarters. Uh, I hate this. I mean this in all respect when I say this. You know, Phil Knight is getting up there in years. He's yeah. not going to be here forever. And so yep. someday when he's not here, I think the emotional connection to Oregon for that organization, for, mm-hmm. for the company, breaks. Sure. And then it becomes much more mercenary. It's like, we can still do business in Oregon, but we don't have to keep the lion's share of our business here. Mm-hmm. And imagine what Beaverton looks like Without if Nike, Nike moves and takes 50% of the jobs with them. Yep. Right? That is an economic calamity Yep. for the area. And I, I think we need to be aware of the business-friendly environment of the state. And I get a sense that partisan from a partisan perspective – that Democrats are much more aggressive about using the get companies to pay yep. taxes as a way to get votes, but you don't really think about the effects of yeah, those taxes. The, the consequences of that behavior, you know, we we actively try to minimize the connection so voters don't look at that and go, yeah, but if we lose the company and everybody, you know, we lose a bunch of jobs, then we lose all the people that are putting money into this, all the various economic components that are local right so right. all the what stores... are the effects on schools at that point right like oh, say, yeah. say nike and intel leave the state and I then mean, you go well where do the kids go right they yeah. leave and then you go well now what we built these buildings and our student body shrinks by 30 percent. that revenue model stops working real well yeah it's like 
that that trickles down through everything like mm-hmm. you don't need as many teachers at that point yeah. right and then there's not as much funding to actually make those schools nice and build better schools it's like you got to think big picture about this stuff and, and multi-year strategy too, yeah don't right? be the chess player that's well, one don't move be the out. checkers player as i would say right be the chess player think more steps in advance yeah you need yeah. to as voters so yeah. uh okay so that's an interesting one and that's at a local level okay mm-hmm. now the next question is what do you think would happen locally if and i'm saying in oregon if we saw a transition from majority party for the last however many years to a Republican side. What do you mm. think might happen? Okay. And we'll answer the question after the break. So stick around. We'll be back where we're talking election and what it means to our all of your investments out there. And we'll promise we'll get to the feds too, but you got to stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM at 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where, oh good, the music's already off, cool. So that's what I get for not wearing my headphones. Sorry about that to our engineers. Uh, Anyway, Matt, I wanted to talk about, we're going through the election, and we're thinking about how does this impact investors, and what are some of the impacts that it could have locally? And first Mm -hmm. we talked about, what if we had sort of a maintained course and speed where the current party in power in Oregon stays in power? Right. And we suggest that largely it's unchanged. The, the 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 talkings, if you will, longer term are that large so some really big employers that will say if it continues to feel like it's getting more business regressive, they may vote with their feet, right? Yeah. And and effectively start re like diverting resources to other areas that make more sense to them. And the the biggest example was Intel, who chose not to build their newest production facility in Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. They're building it in Ohio, I believe. Right. Okay. And that was a multi-billion dollar infrastructure and, you know, thousands of jobs program that didn't come to Oregon. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a real impact, right? And that's a huge tax impact too of a project that didn't stay local in terms of, hey, why didn't we keep more of Intel in one spot? Right. There may have been a number of reasons they chose not to do it, but it w- does make one question. Was it just not attractive enough? Mm-hmm. Like, why was there such a compel- compulsory reason that they didn't stay in Oregon? Right. Okay. It, so th- that's part of it. Uh, what does it look like, do you figure, though, if we saw a shift in the current controlling party to a more conservative Republican uh, right. controlled either governorship or legislature? I'm going to go out on a limb here. and this, this, it's, I'm going this way because it's something that's kind of close to my heart. But I actually think we might see a shift in the policies of ODFW, the way that our that our game and fish is managed. Okay. Um, you know, over the years, we have seen a, a really large shift away from hatchery programs and really bolstering our rivers with hatchery fish. Mm-hmm. And I do have some hope in my pocket that... If we we see things change and there's a little bit more red in office, that we might go back to um, focusing on actually preserving our fish and wildlife. Whereas right now, you know, we see um, a lot of wolves taking over mm-hmm. in different areas, um, and the the fish numbers are just ridiculously low. Like here locally, we had a hatchery burn down, right? Mm-hmm. And the money was there to rebuild that hatchery, and the vote 
from ODFW was to do nothing, right? So they're not rebuilding the hatchery. And they had the money to do it. There was insurance money. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that if we do see a change, um, that that area is addressed. Okay. So that's interesting, too. So that's a, more of a natural resource mm -hmm. stewardship kind of approach and to I it. And I think there's another big factor to it. I think it's more than just um, a, from a stewardship level. I think it's also um, you got to take into account the fact that a lot of money comes into the area when, you know, like if a river is full of hatchery fish, that's a huge tourism attraction. Yeah. I mean, there's is. a lot of money that comes into this area. Well, for specifically that. into Douglas County, I think it would benefit because that is yeah. a huge tourist attraction. There for are sure. so many coastal rivers and so many fishing opportunities in mm -hmm. this state. And we have squandered our, our resources and we've let these hatcheries get dated and we've let the numbers decrease. We've, you know, you look and we shut down the hatchery um, summer steelhead program here on the North Umpqua. And that was a world famous fishery. People flew in from all over the world to fish that, and we've we've let it go to ruin. And so I look at that and say, you know, if we do have a change in in uh, uh, leadership, yeah, and yeah. leadership, maybe we can actually kind of fix that and get back to where we were. That would be an interesting one. So let me switch gears now. Okay, uh, we've talked about the local elections. Um, interestingly enough, do you think that, well, we already answered the question, like local here is in Oregon elections, we think relatively low impact on investment, but on a federal level, mm -hmm. uh, we've talked about, by the way, on this show many times that there are economic things at play, but there's two large big picture policies at play. One of them is monetary policy. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what the Federal Reserve does to expand or contract how much money is in circulation in our economy. That's also where the air quotes around look money printing. OK, that's part of monetary policy. Yeah. But how the money gets used by government is called fiscal policy. Mm -hmm. OK. And so fiscal policy is another one that really stimulates economic change. OK, mm -hmm. so I'm not even going to go out there and ask you, like, hey, do you think the elections could have an impact? course they can because different policies can produce different economic right. impacts so first let's let's play the game for our listeners I, I see three sort of scenarios that could play out based at, at a federal level with elections and no, keep in mind we're not electing a president this round mm -hmm. right this is just a midterm election midterm meaning middle of the presidential term okay okay so we're electing Rep House of Representatives members and senators. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there there's really more outcomes in this, but it distills down to three. Right, you could have it goes like this: the options are rep Democrats have both the House and Senate. Mm -hmm. Democrats have the House. Republicans have the Senate. Democrats have the Senate. Republicans have the House. Or Republicans have the House and Senate. So four different options. Yep. Why would I say there's only three options? I don't know. I just laid out four. Why are there only three? Uh, I, well, what, here's, what's your angle? here's why. You either get Republican control, Democrat control, or a split. Okay. Yeah. Okay? And so a split effectively means gridlock. Mm-hmm. Okay? And one party control on either side... The thing is, it's really only two, probably. 
Right. Because if Republicans control both the House and Senate, it's about the same as a split. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if a bill is going through and say that the Senate is Republican-led, then they can veto that bill and shut it down. Well, in, in the case of a split, no legislation makes it to the president's desk. Right, yeah. In the case of an all-Republican House and Senate, right, mm-hmm. then it it's can get pass to the, the desk, but it doesn't pass the president. Right, so right. it fails either way. Right. Now, if you get Democrat-controlled House and Senate, and then it makes its way to the White House, it's the probability pass. it gets signed goes way, way up. So that's really two scenarios as it was it boils down to, is either mm-hmm. can stuff get to the White House or can't it? Right. Okay. Yeah. And can it get, or maybe is can stuff get through the White House or can't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's the issue at play here. And my sense is it's pretty binary in the end. If stuff can't get through to the White House, then we largely stay where we're at. Now, stay the question is luck. does the market view that as good, bad, or indifferent? Well, I think if there's gridlock, there's a little bit of predictability in the markets like predictability. Whereas if it is, say, all Democrat-led, well, now they can do what they've been doing where, you know, you pass the student loan forgiveness, you pass the Inflation Relief Act, right? And then that really does throw a wrench into the stock market because the markets, like we said, they like predictability. And the Fed has been trying to control inflation. And when you go and you spend money, guess what? More inflation and the Fed is sitting there scratching its head and saying, well, we're trying to stop this thing from running away, but the government keeps making it difficult. They I keep Imagine backing having us into a corner. The Federal Reserve has pulled up with a fire hose and they're putting water all over the place. Right. And you have the federal government showing up with gasoline at a fire. That's exactly what's happening. They're spraying gasoline in. And you're like, well, who's going to win? And you're like, well, it's just... A disaster because everybody's fighting each other, mm-hmm. and and we've talked about this on the show that we have two conflicting policies. You know, you can't fight inflation with more spending, right? And that's what we've seen with a House, Senate, and presidential. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the more disingenuous names for a bill in a long time. The yeah, uh, Inflation in, Reduction Act. Air quotes. It was was basically marketing language, and it was full of a lot of pork and lies, which frustrates me, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of, I'll liken it to, if you're a teacher, man, this is going to get your hackles up in a hurry, but the No Child Left Behind Act. Oh, you got to bring that up. Yeah, which sounded so good. It always sounds good, right? right? The name of it's like, I don't want to leave anybody behind. Of course we should pass that. All the kids matter. And really what it was is the No Child Gets Ahead Act. Yep. That's really what it was. Yeah, we're going to drag everyone down for the sake of the yeah, one Yeah, it was struggles. the lowest common denominator act, and, mm-hmm. and so that had a lot of uh, unintended consequences, and it was very destructive in education. Uh, and, you know, I know this having been married to an educator, and Matt, you're yeah. a you know, recovering educator. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> so uh, we know that the government, like, let's face it, right? We all get marketed to, and there's a lot of gaslighting these days. Yeah, and if you okay. just read the label and believe what it says, yep. you could be in for a world of hurt because you don't even know what it is that's behind the hood. Yeah, suckers are made every day. Mm-hmm. So that's it. But uh, it, it'll be interesting. I, I agree. I think the markets themselves for investors. Now, does it mean that we're in the clear on this one? 
right? If we, let's say that we get gridlock, mm-hmm. which is the probable outcome based on the way polling is coming out so far. No, so it doesn't mean we're out of the clear, David. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is that, Matt? Because we... No, no, no. Oh, you the oh. You can't say it before the last break. We got to get our listeners going. We got to come back. Okay. All right, break. And then we come back then. I want you fired up. I'm ready. About... I'm ready. Why is gridlock no guarantee of what comes next in this market? We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show, where Matt, yeah. you're fired up. I am. But guess what? Before I prod you on to the home stretch here, I want to remind our listeners shameless plug coming up. You ready? Yeah. Shameless plug. Right now, the news review, which is part of the BCI radio family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Brooks Communications, they are having their. Like vote for favorites deal. Oh, okay? you're gonna place this, aren't you? I'm totally gonna do it. Uh, you don't have to vote for us, but if you are gonna vote, vote early and vote often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are up for favorite financial advisor for the area. So, uh, you know, if you know anybody that's interested in voting, maybe tell them and every person they know. Uh, we do not have a way to raise people from the dead to get the votes, though. Mm-hmm. So there is that. But I digress. We're talking about votes today. Mm-hmm, it's, this, it's Election Tuesday. Lots of pain here. and Not yet, David. There's no pain no. yet. The, 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 the teasing was, we think that the probable outcome at a federal level is gridlock. Sure. Okay, that that's the most likely scenario. It is possible that d- Democrats sweep everything and have kind of a rubber stamp to start getting things done. But it looks really, really low probability presently. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll see. Not trying to jinx it, and if that happens, everybody's gonna be like, "What? You haven't said anything." I'm like, "Well, we're still, we didn't know." <laughs> um, you know, I promise that we don't have that much sway. But Matt, mm-hmm. why is gridlock no guarantee that we're out of the woods on as far as uh, investments going on right now? Like, Dave, like wh- when is the bottom of this market? David, we've been digging this hole for a long time, right? Like this- you and I have. I know. We've been watching DC dig this hole. Okay. Okay. So so you're suggesting that we're the the, the cows are coming home right now? <laughs> well, I think what's happened is we can look back and say we have printed a ton of money. We've released a ton of stimulus money. We have pumped this economy full of low interest rates for a lot of years. And we have drove prices through the roof. We have caused inflation. And to get back to a normal level, it's not going to change overnight with an election. Oh, like, get yeah, it out yeah. of your mind. Like, it's. Yeah. What, what happens here isn't going to magically wave a wand and be like, okay, we're better now. Right. This is the equivalent of, you know, how you, if you have. I got I got an analogy for you. People are going to hate this, by the way. But if you've let yourself go from your athletic peak and you're like, I need to get back in shape. Yeah, you've been eating Twinkies for ten years. Yeah, and you're like, all right, I'm going to the gym. Let me tell you, you are going to hurt. No ifs, ands, or Mm -hmm. buts. You're going to hurt for a while. You're going to be sore, and you're going to suffer, and you're going to question your own like sanity. Why am I doing this? But it is necessary. 
that you go through that pain point before your body will start to turn the corner and respond and then improve. The markets are in pain. Markets are in legitimate We've got to get inflation under control or the it's it, it has to happen. Here's this silly way to think about it, but I, I always remember there was this cool saying, well, when Albert Einstein talked about how did he come up with the theory of relativity, mm -hmm. right? And they asked him, well, how did you conjure this up? He said, well, I imagined myself riding on a beam of light as I went to the speed of light and what everything around me looked like, right? And so it was as if he was participating in the universe, looking around at it. He said, based on what I saw, it made me think about how these things interacted. And that's how he started to formulate the theory of relativity. And I'm like, all right, smart dude. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think about how does a like if I could ride a dollar bill through the financial system and all the places it goes and the stops it makes and who tries to take a you know trim off a corner or whatever, how would that happen? Okay. And when you think about the system that we are in right now, where money has been driven to the values that it is. And then you start raising interest rates, and we have a fractional reserve banking system, right? Mm -hmm. Which means, hey, it costs more to borrow. People can't afford to borrow as much. And so the money starts, the money in circulation actually shrinks. Like there's less dollars in the system, or fewer dollars, actually, like by account, mm -hmm. because you can't afford to loan as much out when it requires more reserves or when interest rates are higher. So the loans start getting smaller, which means less money is circulating in the economy. Okay. And before you know it, there's fewer dollars chasing the same amount of goods. Okay. Yep. And so there just aren't physically the dollars to be paid for things. So you can get contraction in pricing, right? So that's a deflationary pressures. If you see demand destruction, mm -hmm. okay. If we uh, think of it this way, what if our population started to decline, we would need fewer houses. Mm -hmm. We need fewer houses. We need fewer construction workers that build houses. We need to cut down fewer trees to build the houses with. We need to produce fewer HVAC units. We need, like All those things start to shrink, and that leads to more demand destruction because if people lose their jobs, they don't have the money to buy stuff. Right. Okay? And that's the issue at players. The Federal Reserve forces interest rates higher, which they need to to stop inflation because wages keep going up. Right? We can't get workers. We have to pay more. We pay more to the workers, they spend more. They drive the price up even more. And so there's this circle where it can spin out of control. So the Federal Reserve is going, hyperinflation destroys the value of a currency. It can't keep up fast enough. And so companies wash out because they run out of money because of hyperinflation. Mm -hmm. Deflation is just as problematic because you get into a downward spiral where everybody loses their job and nobody, nobody can pay for anything. So finding the balance of contracting things on purpose and then allowing them to expand again is what the Fed's attempting to do. The soft landing that they're searching for, which is how can we tighten things, meaning how do we raise rates just enough to kill inflation without killing our economy? And I'll give you a secret. They probably can't. Correct. Right? The odds of them pulling this off successfully are almost nothing. Matt. What did I show you yesterday that we saw that came out from J.P. Morgan in March? Oh, yeah. We were looking at the uh, projections from back in like January or February on where the it was, it was Yeah, it was, it was Q1. Or, so the yeah. end of it, was, it was the end of March of this year, right? right? So about five, what, no, seven months ago? Yeah, they were, they were saying that their projection for the interest rates was like 2.3%. 
for the and entire this was on the 10 on the 10 year yield i believe yeah and they were projecting that all the way out into like 2024 saying and it would we, peak at 2.4 and then, roll back over yeah <laughs> yeah so that's and, J, and this is coming from a legit source, right? Like one of the largest holders of institutional money that exists. Yep. And their projections were no. Yeah. Guess where it is today. Ten-year Treasury yield today. I have. They said it would peak at two point four percent, roll back over, and this uh -huh. was about six months ago when they said it. Right. And where is it today? Or seven months ago. Four point two two. They yeah. They weren't even close. No. That's right? a, and some people like are like oh, two to four. That's pretty close, right? No, yeah, no, that uh, is light I mean, years away. They were way, way off. Now, does that mean they were bad at the game? No, because no, no. one has that crystal ball. Yeah, it just means they cannot predict the future. Nor so, can we. So I will just tell you that having the Federal Reserve pull this off. Remember, J.P. Morgan gets paid to do it. Their careers it hinges on that. The mm -hmm. Federal Reserve. Well, they'll wake up tomorrow and try to fix what didn't work out. Anyway, look, we are out of time. So, um, look, if you want to continue this discussion, you want to talk about your own money, give us a call. How do they reach us, Matt? 541-375-0898. All right. Until then, reminder, everybody, get those votes in and participate in the process. That way you're allowed to complain. Until next time, this is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.